0: Well I am in in honor to uh to be here today. You know, it's uh it's a blessing to be in God's house. It's a blessing to to be a part of God's family. And um I want to thank all of you that sent me birthday wishes and wished me a happy birthday. Um you know I don't feel a year older. Um do I look a year older? No, <laughs> I heard some amens, yeah. I was going to say maybe it was that new shampoo I used, you know more body and style, but uh, you know the um, I have just a couple of quick things I want to share with you. Uh, we have um, uh, someone that is heading up our um, uh, delivering some meals to some people that uh, not not just are homebound but others that that are also in need of some help and, and um, um, I think hopefully you heard an announcement in your Sunday school class this morning about that. And what we're asking is we're asking that if we could have a representative uh, from your class to, to help get the information out, um, someone has uh, graciously said they would head that up and they're going to have a, a quick meeting uh, in the choir room after this morning's service. Uh, or you can contact her directly. Uh, it's Roxanna Lawrence. And Roxana, would you just stand up real quick? And uh, if you would uh, come see her, if you want to be a part of that, of uh, helping take uh, meals to people, uh, maybe who have had surgery or at, at home and they can't uh, provide and do other things that they, like they normally would. But she's going to be helping out with that some, so contact her. Also, um, we're coming to the end of this year, obviously, and um, we have many connect groups in our church that meet on Sunday evenings. And um, we're going to be uh, um, doing that again this next year on, on Sunday evenings. But we need a few more host homes. And so if you would be willing to open your home up and uh, uh, invite some of our church family to come and study God's word in your home. If, uh, if you would contact either uh, Tim Rudolph or myself, uh, we would appreciate that. Um, we're also looking for leaders for some of those small groups. It's my prayer That each one of us would be part of a small group in our church. Because what happens is when you commit to a small group, you get involved and you get to know some people. And you get plugged in and you, you become part of the family. I mean, you can attend on Sunday morning... That we we, uh, we want to pray together, we want, we want you to, to, to be loved on and cared for, and uh, those connect groups really help facilitate that. And so um, we'll be uh, putting some information out there towards the end of this month where you can sign up or go to a small group. If you haven't been involved with them, please get involved with them um, and be a part of a small group. And uh, I know that you will be, uh, uh, we're, we call them connect groups, so uh, you'll be a part of that, but... Um, what a blessing that is. One other quick real thing I want to talk about for just a moment is our Lottie Moon offering for $10,000. We want to give $7,500 of that to water wells in Kenya, okay, through Maisha Kamili. So we want, to, we want to give $2,500 of that to the IMB for, for missionaries all over the world. But uh, we, want this, we want this to be a, a, a both-and blessing. And so that's why the goal is at $10,000. But uh, I hope that you will pray about that and give. And don't forget to take one of those envelopes home so you can fill it with cash so that we can have that, uh, raise that offering uh, to the Lord. Um, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to begin a, a series this morning as we uh, go through the month of December uh, called The Words of Christmas. And they're great words, if you will, uh, pertaining to Christmas Specifically, we're going to talk about glory, we're going to talk about peace, we're going to talk about joy, uh, we're going to talk about love, and and uh, a lot of things along those lines. We have the, the birth account of Jesus Christ, and I want to read some of that this morning. And uh, I want to begin in Luke chapter 2, and I'd like to read uh, verses 8 through 14. And so if you have uh, the Bible, uh, if you have your word, if you would open it to Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 8 and following, it says this It says, In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Let's pray together. Loving Father, thank you for this time Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus that you brought to this earth. Father, that you gave him here, you sent him so that he would die for our sins. Father, we we thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit who guides us and leads us. I pray, Father, that today we would see you high and lifted up, new and fresh. And Father, that we would see our Savior and, and, and how you brought him here for us. God, I thank you for this time, and I pray that you would be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, during this month we we celebrate Christmas, Advent, the coming of Christ to the earth, our Savior. We're going to be looking at some of these great words associated with Christmas, and today I want to look at the word glory, the word glory. You know, it says there, the glory of the Lord shone around them. It also says uh, the, the, the heavenly host of, uh, was praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. <laughs> you know, John, he tells us in, in John 1, 14, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, what a word that glory is. I mean, I don't think we fully comprehend what the glory of God is like. I want to give you a picture of that today. You know, by his first miracle in Cana of Galilee, John records in chapter 2 that Jesus manifested his glory. He turned the water into wine. He manifested his glory. And it says in verse 11 of chapter 2 that his disciples believed. (laughs) Yeah, when you can make that transition, when you can show that kind of glory, yeah, we will believe. See, Dr. William E. Hull, he has said glory is one of the richest terms in the theological vocabulary of the Bible, referring primarily to the visible manifestations of God in power. I'm glad we don't serve a weak God. I'm glad that we serve a God of power. One that has the power. And what we see is the word glory has to do primarily with the visible manifestation of God in power. See, that word glory, it's the Hebrew word kabod, which means to to be heavy or weighty. Heavy or weighty, and so figuratively it describes that which is weighty. Or that which is important, God's glory, weighty, important. You see, the life of Jesus was radiant with the the focused presence of the divine majesty. I mean, throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, God made a weighty impact on people which called them into a new awareness of his purposes and his prestige. I mean, we use the word Shekinah glory sometimes. We read that in the Old Testament. And the Shekinah, the word Shekinah means the one who dwells. The one who dwells. Think about this for just a moment. And it reminds us that we did not seek to dwell with God, but He with us. We weren't looking for God because we have a bent away from God. Naturally. Naturally but god was seeking to dwell with us i think that's huge because this truth should bring us into a continual thanksgiving for we have been brought into his covenant and under the protection of his mighty wings i mean we think about that the glory of god think about the how the, the majesty of god his glory I want to talk just a little bit about glory of God and and human fear. I mean, we see that in verse 9. It says, And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. (laughs) And it says, And they were terribly frightened. When you see the glory of God, you too will be terribly frightened. Think about this. I mean, the glory of God was a visible manifestation of the invisible but the powerful God. The invisible God, but here there is a a visible manifestation of his power. It says they were filled with fear. That's the kind of fear that makes you want to fall to the ground and curl up in the fetal position. And say, don't hurt me. So much fear. See, the glory of God was revealed in the Old Testament experiences. Indicating God's presence, His power, and His authority. Think about this with me. In the Exodus experience, you recall the children of Israel leaving Egypt, being led out by Moses. And it says, the glory of the Lord appeared to the people In a cloud. A cloud led them by day, and a pillar of fire by night. And by means of this brilliant and shining manifestation of his presence, God led them by his presence. God revealed himself to Israel in both grace and in judgment. You remember in Exodus 14, it talks about Pharaoh's army. It talks about how uh, the glory of God in the form of the, 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 the cloud and the pillar of fire, it came in judgment on the Egyptians. It says that the, the glory of God caused the, the, the wheels of their chariots to go wacko, to go crazy. And it says that they drove their chariots with great difficulty. They were having trouble keeping their chariots on the road because of the glory of God. That's something. Because we think we can just work any old way with God. Later on, when God was instructing Moses in the in the concerning the building of the tabernacle and the services that were to be conducted there, he declared this in Exodus 29 verse 43. He says, "I will meet there with the sons of Israel, and it shall be consecrated, it shall be set apart by my glory the glory of god and they were terribly frightened <laughs> you recall isaiah's call his his the experience of his call he had an awareness of the universal glory of the lord isaiah chapter 6 it says the whole earth is full of his glory literally the fullness of the earth is His glory. Everything in it is to God's glory. See, the glory of the Lord is His presence. When God occupies a place, (laughs) when God occupies a place, His presence, His glory is unmistakably present. It's evident. I mean, God has a high standard. God has a high standard for where he will make his presence known. Because he doesn't respond to our whims. He doesn't respond and he doesn't come to us on our terms. But we think he should. For some reason, we think that he should come to us on our terms. But God doesn't work that way. He's not taken back by us. He doesn't need anything from us. He came to dwell with us, not us with him. He sent his only son for us. You remember in the Old Testament, Solomon's temple dedication experience... Solomon longed for God's presence to be obvious in the temple that he painstakingly built for him to have as his home, his house here on earth. And as magnificent as the temple was, a house for the Lord, even Solomon understood that constructing a spectacular building was no guarantee that God would inhabit the place. It says there, so Solomon prepared himself and the people. This is found in Second Chronicles. He prepared himself and he prepared the people in hopes that God would look upon them with favor. <laughs> the priestly choir sang and they played instruments in praise to God. And the priest sacrificed tens of thousands of oxen I don't know if we fully get that 22,000 oxen hundreds of thousands of sheep 120,000 sheep were sacrificed at the dedication of the temple Solomon was preparing the people and he was preparing himself for God's presence I want to read two verses out of 2 Chronicles 7. It says, Now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. The priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. This house is already filled. There is nothing we can do to add to that. You see, because of the glory of the Lord, the priests could not even do their priestly duties because of the glory of the Lord had filled the place. See, God's glory was so overpowering, they couldn't do their jobs. Folks, there is no mistaking When God's glory fills a place. When God's glorious presence fills a place, it's impossible to go on business as usual. When you see someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, you know it. You don't doubt it, you don't question it, you know it. And when, when, when people see a church that is filled with God's presence, they know it. So many times we want to come to God any old way we choose. In order for God's presence to fill the temple, Solomon saw all of this sacrifice take place. They are sacrificing to their holy God so that the glory, the glory of his presence, would abide in that place. But we don't want to give anything. We don't want to sacrifice nothing in order to see God's presence fill this place. You know why? Because it's frightening we can't control it. See, the New Testament teaches that our lives are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because Christ abides in us. Even as the glory of the Lord filled the temple, even the glory of Christ fills us. Each of us. And listen, we cannot assume that our lives are pleasing to him. If we want him to fill the vessel, we've got to be pleasing to him. Like Solomon, we we must thoroughly prepare ourselves so that God will choose to reveal his presence in our lives. And when he reveals his presence in our lives, there's going to be no doubt that it is God who is doing it. Because old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. We will see the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives and upon this place. See, God is both our Father and the Lord of glory. And we can approach him confidently in prayer because we are his dearly beloved children. He loves us, but we must never forget that God is the sovereign of the universe. He is in complete control of it all. See, the glory of God was a visible manifestation of His presence in the Old Testament days. And it created an attitude of fear, of dread, of anxiety in the hearts of men and women because they felt unworthy to come into the presence of God. When was the last time you felt unworthy to be in God's presence? Maybe the reason that we don't sense God's presence is there is no fear of God. There's no dread of God. There's no anxiety about a holy God before a sinful people. We need Him. And He came to us, not us coming to Him. He desires that relationship with us. You see, He sent Christ and Christ came to manifest, to show forth, to make very clear the glory of God and to bring glory to God. Back in John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. <laughs> and God saw And we saw His glory, and glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus, even in His high priestly prayer, which is recorded in John 17, He says to the Father this. He says in in verse 4, He says, "...I glorified You on the earth, having accomplished the work which You have given Me to do. Now, Father, glorify Me together with Yourself." With the glory which I had with you before the world was, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. See, Jesus revealed the grace and truth about God by what he said. We reveal the grace and truth about God by what we say. Jesus revealed the grace and truth about God in his works of mercy and kindness and helpfulness that he did. We also reveal the grace and truth of God by the works of kindness that we do. The things that we do for other people. But you see, Jesus revealed the grace and truth about God supremely in his sacrificial death on the cross. Jesus died on the cross because of the command of his Father. And because he wanted to demonstrate to the unbelieving world the greatness of his love for the Father and for each one of us. I mean, in John 14, verse 31 Jesus said this, he said, So that the world may know that I love the Father. So that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Then in verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He proved his love to the Father by keeping his commandments. And he's saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, Jesus died on the cross for the joy of the benefit that people would receive. You and I would receive by his death on the cross as a result of this new revelation of the glory of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that. For the joy set before him. Because he loves us so much. See, the decision to grow, John Ortberg states, the decision to grow always involves a choice between risk and comfort. The decision to grow always involves a choice between risk and comfort. This means to be a follower of Jesus, you must... Renounce comfort. We must renounce comfort as the ultimate value in our life. See, that's sobering news to most of us. Because we like our comfort. We're so into comfort. But I want to show you a brief example of how a faith walker You might call him a water walker, like Peter. I mean, he heads out of the boat, and he starts walking across the water. And we look at that, and and he takes his eyes off Jesus, and ultimately he begins to fail. And we might call that an epic fail. You were walking on water, and you sunk. You went down. But did Peter fail? I mean, failure is not an event. Rather, it's in a judgment about an event. I mean, failure is not something that happens to us or a label that we attach to things. It's how we um, think about outcomes. I mean, did Peter fail? I suppose he did in, in, in one way. I mean, he saw the wind. He took his eyes off Jesus But here's what I believe. I believe that there were 11 bigger failures in the boat. They were sitting in the boat and they failed quietly and they failed privately. And their their failure went unnoticed. It went unobserved. It went uncriticized. Only Peter knew the shame of public failure. But only Peter knew two other things as well. Only Peter knew the glory of walking on the water. He alone knew that it was an attempt to do what he was not capable of doing on his own and then feeling the euphoria of being empowered by God to actually do it. Because once you walk on water, you won't ever forget it for the rest of your life. See, the followers of Christ are encouraged to glorify God. You're encouraged to glorify God. To lift Him up. To be about Him. That is the, the chief end of man, is to glorify God. I mean, the heavenly host praise God, saying, glory to God in the highest. If we want to glorify God, we must be visible manifestations Of his presence in our world today. How are you showing forth? How are you making clear? How are you demonstrating God's glory in our world today? There's three things, three ways to glorify God that I want to give you, and that's not exhaustive. There's many other ways, but I want to hit three of them, and and just to give you something to think about here. Number one, we are to glorify God in our bodies. In our bodies. If we look at Scripture, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 20, Therefore, honor God with your body. Today's English version says, So use your bodies for God's glory. See, it's possible for us to glorify God in our bodies through faith. That's what it tells us in Ephesians 3, 17. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. See, we become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. He lives within us. How are we manifesting the Holy Spirit in and through our lives, our bodies? It's with our bodies that we are to glorify God. And we're not to use our bodies For immoral purposes, because the body has been made for the Lord. Folks, we need to hear this in our nation today, in our country today. We're not to use our bodies for immoral purposes. It's clear. Secondly, we're to glorify God in our bodies by bearing much fruit. John 15, 8 says, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. We can glorify God by bearing much fruit. Two kinds of fruit that we can experience by which we can glorify God. The first one is to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we we talk about that, the Holy Spirit's been given to us. That he might reproduce in us the character and the nature of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control! I emphasize that because we need self-control. We also need the rest, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. Self-control. See, as we let the Holy Spirit produce that love and in, in, in the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we will become living examples of what God can do when he's permitted to come and to live in our hearts. But we can also experience the fruit of the seed sower to bring glory to God. As we share the gospel with others. As we pray with others to receive Christ. We become not only the seed planter, but also the harvester of the fruit. We can do that in our bodies as well. We sow the seed of the word of God. And lives around us change. And and we hear some that, that, that come and they respond. Some will believe and some will be saved. Some will reflect God's grace and His glory. And we will experience, as it says in Psalms 126, the joy of the harvester who comes rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Bringing the crop with him, the fruit. And as it says in Matthew 13 about the seed and the sower, it bears fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Folks, that's how we can glorify Him in our bodies. Thirdly, I would say this. We are to glorify God by our good works. I mean, That's what it says in Matthew 5.16. That's what Jesus said in His Sermon on the Mount. He said that we are to live in His example of what God can do in the hearts of those who obey Jesus Christ. Let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. See, the believers in Thessalonia. They, they were glorifying God by their good works. It says they demonstrated their, 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 their good works by works of faith, by labors of love, by, uh, and, and great patience of hope. Folks, we need to be the purveyors of hope in our society. <laughs> we should be the most hopeful people in all the world because we know Jesus Christ and we know that we will live etern- in eternity with God. Because our sin debt has been paid. If that doesn't bring hope, if that doesn't help you out, if that doesn't bring joy, then I don't know what is. Maybe you need to check your salvation experience. Because what I read says that one day the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is going to raise me up. Folks, that is tremendous hope. Because what happens here? Is only temporary. But what happens there will be forever. I love that. You know, that's why the apostle Paul in Colossians 1 he said this he said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, the indwelling Christ is the hope that God has for us to manifest His presence to the world. The presence of Christ in each one of us is the only hope that the world has today for seeing God's glory and experience His loving presence. I mean, John Piper said it this way. He said the story of God is all about the glory of God. The greater our view of God, the greater strength we'll have to face the trials in life. The bigness of God should put our problems into a proper perspective. We serve a mighty God, a great God, an awesome God. See, instead of accusing God, we ought to be adoring Him. Trusting in His mercy in the middle of things that we don't yet understand. It is a mystery to us. And we we try to demand to have complete understanding, but this side of heaven we will not. We're not going to know all the answers. But know this, that the Christ who came at Christmas, He came a long, long time ago. But he comes today to live in our hearts. He comes to each one of us today, knocking, if we will but open the door of our heart and let him in. Have you? Have you received Christ yet? Folks, that is our only hope. Of salvation, that is our only hope of an eternity in heaven with God, is through Jesus Christ. See, the indwelling Christ is God's hope for revealing His presence through you. Christ in you, the basis for your hope for a home in God's final glory. Christ in you. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this word at Christmas time. Glory. I thank you, Father, that you are the Lord of glory. Father, that there is none that compare to you. That Father, that when we see your glory... It truly is an awesome, a breathtaking, a fearful, an anxiety uh, event, knowing, God, that you are all powerful. Father, that you have the ability, Father, to, to judge us for our sins. Father, I'm thankful that you've given us your son, Jesus Christ. Father, that You sacrificed Him so that Your glory could be manifested in us. Father, that as Christ is in us, we manifest Your glory to the world around us. I pray, Father, that Your Holy Spirit would even now touch our hearts, convict our hearts. Father, May your Holy Spirit bring to light that unconfessed sin in our lives. The things that we've done, Father, that we've not brought before you. Those things that we've coddled. Those things that we've put to the wayside and said it's not that big a deal. But Father, we realize today that it is a big deal. And God, that you don't inhabit any vessel, just any old way. But your word tells us, Father, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Father, that is my prayer for us today. That we as your people would repent of the sin in our lives. And Father, that we would see times of refreshing. Father, that we would be about your kingdom business. Father, that we would be on the fence no longer. But God, that we would commit wholeheartedly to you and to your purposes and to your kingdom work. Father, may we be like Solomon and bring a sacrifice worthy of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, may we be done with the paltry and the petty. Father, may we give unashamedly, lavishly, even as you have given unto us. So that your glory would be manifested in this place, here and now. Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Guide us as we continue to seek you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.